You're listening to The Corbett Report. CorbettReport.com Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you from the sunny climes of Western Japan here in February of 2023 with episode 436 of the Corbett Report podcast, opting out of CBDCs. And if you are watching this in February of 2023, when this episode is released, then you still have a few days to sign up for the CBDC opt-out challenge. This is something that's being put together by Live Free Academy um, by John Bush, and it is at livefree.academy slash op slash cbdc opt-out challenge. I believe there is a short link for that. Anyway, all of this information is going to be in the show notes for today's episode at corbettreport.com slash opt-out-cbdc. It's free to sign up. It's going to be an online series of talks by various people. Um, it's going to be a five-day event uh, from February 6th to February 10th and at uh, 11 a.m. Central on those days. There's going to be presentations by various speakers, including yours truly. Yes, John Bush has asked me to give the opening address to the CBDC opt-out challenge. And uh, so I have recorded a presentation that I'm going to share with you here as sort of a sneak preview for the CBDC opt-out challenge. And uh, if you're interested, of course, the link to the actual page will be up in the show notes so you can go and check it out, see the other speakers and what they're talking about and whether this is something that you would be interested in. But as you can probably tell from the title, this is going to be a presentation about central bank digital currency, CBDC, and opt-out challenge, obviously trying to give people ideas and motivate people to start opting out of the CBDC cashless nightmare before it comes into reality, which is really the time that you should start preparing for something before it happens. So just reading from the intro text here on uh, the CBDC opt-out challenge page, the free five-day CBDC opt-out challenge will reveal a proven step-by-step method for buying and selling goods and services outside of the central bank financial system using alternative currencies, free markets, and powerful communities of freedom-loving people. And if you continue exploring down that page, you'll see some of the speakers that are set to uh, present, not only myself on day one with the presentation you are about to witness, but on day two, Jack Spierko, um, day three, Derek Bros, uh, day four, Sally Agarist and Rebecca Powers, and day five, Richard Grove. So a lot of people who should be familiar to my regular audience and speaking about various aspects of how you can start opting out of the cashless grid before it comes into being. All that being said, I'm going to, as I say, share the the presentation that I made for day one um, with you here as a sort of a sneak preview of this opt-out challenge. And I would say that for people who have been following all of my work on CBDCs, I don't think there's any startling new research or some incredible new find that you will not, not have heard anywhere else. But hopefully this is a good short encapsulation of both the problem, why we should be concerned about central bank digital currencies, and at least pointing people towards the solution, which obviously will be elaborated further in that five-day online conference slash webinar. So again, if you're interested, all the links to everything that I talk about today, including the CBDC opt-out challenge, will be in the show notes for today's episode. But without further ado, let's get to the presentation. Good evening, afternoon, morning, or whatever time it is, at whatever time you're listening to this, to all of those attending the Live Free Academy CBDC opt-out challenge. 
Thank you for taking this time to at least listen to me, if not everyone else who will be speaking uh, during the next five days. And thank you to John Bush for inviting me to speak to you today. Uh, this is, as far as I understand, this is going to be the introductory sort of speech to get everybody on board with what CBDCs are and why we need to be avoiding them and how we can start thinking about opting out of CBDCs. That's a pretty tall order and I don't have a lot of time to do that today, so let's just dive right in. Now, I'm going to assume if you are taking something called the CBDC opt-out challenge, it probably because you already know something about CBDCs and that they are worth opting out for, from and that we need to start exploring those possibilities. But let's not assume anything. Let's not make an ass of you and me. Uh, let us set the table today by just making sure everybody is on board and everybody understands what it is we are talking about, the threat that we are facing, so that we can then better understand what to do about that threat and what some real solutions may be. So on that note, I'm going to be going through a lot of information today. For those who are interested in this information, I wholeheartedly encourage you to follow along on my website, corbettreport.com slash optoutcbdc. And hopefully by the time you are watching this, that page will be up and it will have the show notes with the links to absolutely everything that I'm citing today. And there is a lot. So uh, get your pen and paper, take notes, but those notes are at corbettreport.com slash optoutcbdc. But let's dive in, get into the meat and potatoes. What is CBDC? <laughs> Again, I'm going to assume you're probably already have some knowledge of that if you are here today, but maybe not. So let's just start with brass tacks. C-B-D-C. Obviously an acronym, but what does it stand for? C-B, Central Bank, D-C, Digital Currency. It is Central Bank Digital Currency. All right, moving right along. <laughs> Wait. Okay, so that's what those words actually, what those letters actually stand for. But what do the words mean in combination? What is this really signifying, you may ask? Good question. All right, so um, let's... Let's put it this way. A central bank digital currency is an electronic token of a nation's currency issued by that nation's monetary authority, often but not exclusively using distributed ledger technology. All right. Okay. Moving right along. <laughs> Again, depending on uh, what, where you're approaching this from and your background understanding of monetary systems and what have you, you still may be saying, uh, okay, gotcha. W wait, what? What's that? What does that mean? All right, let's turn to the bastion of truthiness for a simple explanation of what CBDCs are. And at least at the time I'm recording this, the top line paragraph of the CBDC entry is a central bank digital currency, CBDC, also called digital fiat currency or digital base money, is a digital currency issued by a central bank rather than by a commercial bank. It is also a liability of the central bank and denominated in the sovereign currency, as is the case with physical banknotes and coins. Right. Uh, what? <laughs> okay, let's try it another way. Here is the executive director of the Bank for International Settlements, which if you don't know about, you should. It is the central bank of central banks, the apex of the financial monetary pyramid identified by Carol Quigley in Tragedy and Hope there on my bookshelf, and others as the, the capstone of the pyramid of power. And what does the executive director of the BIS have to say about the prospect of central bank digital currencies? We don't know, for example, who's using a $100 bill today. We don't know who is using a 1,000 peso bill today. 
Uh, a key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Oh, okay, you're saying to yourself. But can I get that in English? <laughs> okay, let's try it again. CBDCs are digital money issued directly by the central bank. Okay. And so, what's the big deal? Well, let's put this into more common everyday terms and bring it down to what we do with our money on a daily basis to see how this might affect your life in the near future. What they want to do is bring in this uh, thing called the central banking digital currency. They want to replace fiat paper money with digital money as a competitor to Bitcoin and crypto money, right? But instead of being uh, decentralized currency, it will be controlled by a government. It's digital currency, but controlled centrally through the banks, Bank of England. So instead of having a bank account with whatever, HSBC or Bank of America, you'll have a bank account directly with, in the American context, with the Fed. In the UK, directly with the Bank of England. You have a personal bank account and you're given digital money in that bank account. These are called central banking digital currencies. The Chancellor of the Exchequer in the UK has already announced their intention to do this as the G7 group. So what they said in that article, and the, and the Chancellor put a video out saying this as well, they said, right, think back to what vaccine passports were, yeah? If you don't have your jab, you can't even eat in this restaurant. What they've said, and why the word programmable was in that headline was, they've said that this money that you will earn from work, instead of having paper money, you have this digital money, it's programmable so that you can't buy certain foods or if you do something that your employer doesn't like, it's all in that article. You won't be able to spend your money. In other words, it's not money. They're vouchers. They're like food vouchers. And they can be programmed so that, like the Chinese social credit system, that if you try and use them on a certain thing, it won't work. You say you want to buy a burger and they want you to buy bugs, which is one of the examples used. If you start to try and buy unhealthy meat, it just won't work. You tap, you tap your card. You can't buy the thing because you've met your quota that month of burgers. Are you starting to get the picture? As I say, I'm not trying to be patronizing here. I just want to make sure everybody's on board. And we understand there is something very profound happening here that is potentially very, very worrying, especially for those who are concerned about fundamental human freedoms and the lack thereof in a system of complete monetary control by a single central authority like the central banks. So this is definitely something that we should be aware of and should be looking for ways to opt out of, right? And that's why you're here. So um, let's start getting on board with some resources that you can turn to to start really deep diving into this and getting more information. Because as you saw in just trying to simplify and bring things down to a brass tacks level, we do lose a lot of the understanding the nuance, the complexity, the layers of this subject, the more that we sort of dumb it down to, it's bad, okay? Um, so if you want to build up your knowledge on this, I have a lot of resources and reading that I can throw in your face. We're not going to go through it here today, but I will put this, as I say, in the show notes at corporatereport.com slash CBDC opt out so that you can go and follow this and read to your heart's content. You might want to go back all the way to October of 2014 when uh, blogger JP Koenig was writing about FedCoin. And this is a term that I've heard Ernie Hancock of Freedoms Phoenix say a number of times. He's always said, you know, 
part of the plan. Take something like Bitcoin, fork, 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 Fedcoin, and then you're in the claws of the, the banksters. And certainly that is, uh, I, I think that would be the ultimate, that, that is the ultimate game plan for the central bank controllers is to harness and control the cryptocurrency re- revolution by performing the Bitcoin PSYOP and forking things over until, you know, that Bitcoin thing you've been hearing about? Well, here it is. It's called Fedcoin now, and it's controlled by the central bank. Um, Now, of course, this plays into the conspiracy theorizing of the people who want to say that Satoshi Nakamoto, that was really the NSA, and ah, they got you. Actually, I think that's an even deeper part of a multi-layer PSYOP in which the PSYOP is to convince people who are seeking answers and seeking freedom that, you know, that decentralized central bankless monetary system thing you've been hearing about? Yeah, that's actually all controlled by the banksters. No, 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 no. Don't don't even look at that. What you want is to fiat money. (laughs) That's where the game is at. And so it's the weird paradox where you get the people who you think would be the most interested in this type of currency actually rejecting it because they think it's all the same. Bitcoin, crypto, Fedcoin, whatever. It's all controlled. Don't even have to look at it. So anyway, but back in 2014, um, J.P. Koenig was already writing about essentially the central bank digital currency idea and was literally calling it Fedcoin. So I will point you in that direction to read through that and what resulted from that. For example, there's a 2017 working paper from Ole Bjerg, Designing New Money, the Policy Trilemma of Central Bank Digital Currency, which was an early attempt to flesh out some of the problems and ideas related to this concept. And then, of course, our friends sarcasm, folks, sarcasm, our friends at the Bank for International Settlements um, in the BIS Quarterly Journal back in 2017 had this post on central bank cryptocurrencies where they go through and examine it in a fair degree of detail and some of the different ways that it can be implemented and its policy implications, etc. As I say, lots of reading you can do on this if you really want to start getting into the nuts and bolts of this idea, how it developed and where it's going. But who likes reading? This is the TikTok generation. So I've done my best to try to simplify things for people. So as always, a good place to start your research. Hey, why not? Just type it into my search bar, which, hint, does exist. <laughs> it even exists in mobile, guys. I Trust me, I know it does. <laughs> it's just at the bottom of the page instead of the side. But anyway, <laughs> type CBDC into the search bar and hit the search button. And lo and behold, you'll find I have done quite a bit of work on CBDCs over the past few years, and there are pages and pages of results here, um, including some pretty important ones. And this one is pretty important. It goes up near the top, uh, CBDCs Beyond the Basics, where I really do deep dive into more of the mechanics of how this works in the monetary system itself, because there are some layers of complexity to this that I think are getting missed out on a lot of the conversation around CBDCs. Also, a country-by-country guide which I think is important and we'll be coming back to. But um, I, there, as I say, I've done a lot of work that at least mentions CBDCs. So you, if you scroll down to, the, I think, the second page now, you get my What is Programmable Money, which is an editorial I wrote essentially trying to, again, distill some of this down to something that's re- readable. But oh my God, oh my God, there's a paywall. I can't read this article. James, You, how dare you, you tire... Oh, wait. Click here to access the editorial for free. I know people always miss that, but yes, every single thing, every editorial I write is available for free. So let's click on over and read the editorial for free. You don't have to pay me a penny. Anyway, um, what is programmable money? And I go through that and talk about it. And then in an attempt to sort of explain what this is and how it's going to function, uh, I 
I have this to say. Do you remember that parking ticket you forgot to pay last month? Well, your central bank issued CBDC wallet remembers, and it will just subtract those funds, plus a late payment fee from your account when you're not looking. Got caught supporting the wrong fundraiser or the wrong political cause, like the Freedom Convoy in Canada? Don't worry. In a world of CBDC transactions, you wouldn't have even been allowed to donate to that cause in the first place because your wallet wouldn't let you. Following this line of thought, pro pro programmable money could also be used to perfect a system of carbon credits and individualized ESG scores. In today's world, it would be incredibly difficult for the government to implement a scheme where every store has to check your carbon allowance before allowing your next purchase. Sure, EBT cards can be programmed to disallow purchases from liquor stores, casinos, or other naughty businesses, but stopping people from spending their own bank deposits or cash is much trickier. In the CBDC world of the future, however, such restrictions could be programmed into the ledger itself. If your carbon credit or your ESG score is below a certain amount, no soup for you. Unless you're going to throw that soup on a painting to protest climate change, of course, that'll be allowed. Etc. Again, that is sort of the nightmare of a retail CBDC um, being implemented in ways that uh, are exactly the nightmare that people have been warning about since... Hey, the book of Revelation, um, you must have the mark to buy or sell in the marketplace. Well, in this case, they may be literally able to turn off your ability to buy and sell in the marketplace if we go to 100% retail CBDC. That is not necessarily the way this is going to be implemented, and almost certainly not at first. At any rate, this will happen in stages, if anything. So, again, for the deep dive on that, please go to my CBDCs Beyond the Basics, episode 433 of my podcast, where I go in quite a bit of depth into this, um, into the monetary circuit and how it functions. And I play this incredibly important video from um, John Titus explaining the split circuit monetary system and how it functions and how there is retail and wholesale currency in the monetary system, um, the split circuit system. So you and me and most companies and uh, businesses and what have you, everyone on this side of the the private currency, the retail currency, have accounts at the commercial banks and we take money out and circulate it out. And money is the stuff we take out of the bank or is circulating in our digital transactions uh, outside you know, through our ATM cards or whatever. That's the money that we think of as money. But the commercial banks themselves actually have a bank account at the actual central bank, the Federal Reserve, the Bank of Canada, the Bank of England, Bank of Japan. They have the deposits at the actual central bank. And they are transacting in this whole other side of the monetary circuit that we don't see at our level. It's called the wholesale circuit or the public circuit. And this circuit um, could have, for example, they could implement CBDCs on this side of the circuit that we don't see on the retail side and that don't affect our transactions on this side. Or there could be many ways to do it. Now, the nightmare scenario, of course, is when you and me well, we don't need commercial banks anymore. We just have our account directly at the central bank and all of our money is going through this central bank regulated system where the central bank controls everything. There could be many ways that this could be done. They could take, for example, commercial banks or other approved financial institutions as intermediaries, which then get to, for example, distribute the wallets. And so the central bank puts the, the CBDC into the wallets of people that are being held at your local commercial bank and your commercial bank is the one that's uh, stewarding over this process. Whatever. There are many, many, many different ways to implement this. This is another point that I was trying to make in this What is Programmable Money article is that it could be a lot of different things. It could happen a lot of different ways. And I point to that um, 2017 paper from the Bank for International Settlements and their money flower, which just looks like total nonsense at first. But there is 
rhyme and reason to this. Um, for example, you can have different kinds of central bank issued money, like central bank reserves, central bank digital currency, central bank issued cryptocurrency, central bank issued cr cryptocurrency wholesale. Uh, you could have electronic funds, which includes those central bank reserves or CBDC, but also bank deposits, virtual currency. You could have peer-to-peer -peer funds, which could, for example, be a local currency, which is simply peer-to-peer. -peer. Or you could have local, uh, sorry, peer-to-peer -peer and electronic, like a wholesale cryptocurrency. Or you could have peer-to-peer -peer and universally accessible, like commodity money, like gold, for example. So this is an attempt to make sense of all the different ways that we can have these different types of universally accessible, electronic, central bank issued, or peer-to-peer -peer money. And central bank digital currency is a very specific part of this. It is universally accessible, assuming they make the ledger available to to the public, but it will be central bank issued. Uh, it will not be peer-to-peer. -peer. It will actually be a, a centralized, non-distributed ledger, and, but it will be electronic. And so there are different ways and grades and scales and flavors of this that could operate at different layers of the monetary system. And I think we need to understand a little bit about this and how it can and will be implemented in order to understand how best to prepare for it and then not to combat it, I think that isn't the point of what we're doing here today, right? Explicitly, we're trying to opt out. And I think that is the right emphasis because I always think, at least for the time being, no one has a gun to your head forcing you to transact in CBDCs. So while we have this luxury, let's find out the ways that we can opt out of the system and get around it and build up the alternative infrastructure, monetary infrastructure that will be needed to confront it. So um, the question may be, Okay, are, are CBDCs coming? When are they coming? You know, how will we know when they get here? Well, actually, a bit of a trick question. They are already here in various forms, in various stages, in various tests and pilots, and some currencies that are actually functioning, some wholesale, some retail. Um, there's a lot of different things that are going on, and it is mind-boggling to keep track of. So I attempted to do exactly that in my CBDCs, a country-by-country -country guide. Um, which, again, oh my god, it's behind a paywall. I can't believe you would hide information. Oh, it's right here. Okay, so if you click on through to the free version, you can see that I have accumulated at this time in mid-2022 um, everything that I could find on these various countries. And even then, it's only a partial list. It was only a partial list then. It's even more partial now. But you can read about, for example, Australia and its plans, the Bahamas, Brazil, Canada, China, EU, Iran, Israel, Japan, Nigeria, Russia, South Korea, UK, US, Venezuela, um, dozens and dozens of different pilot programs, tests, um, things that are going on, things that have already been implemented. Uh, and how and how they were progressing at that time in mid-2022. But as you can see, I think the point of this is to just show, no matter where you are in the world, it's already in some stage of development, and it may already be here, um, whether you know it or not. And uh, keeping up with that on a daily basis is obviously a full-time job, so I couldn't possibly ha update this country-by-country -country guide every single day. But our friends, sarcasm folks, not friends, look into them, at the Atlantic Council, um, have put together their central bank digital currency tracker, which is quite thorough and has a lot of information on it. So in this map, you can see all of the different countries and the different types of programs that are 
are being explored right now. For example, Brazil, status, development, use case, retail, retail currency, architecture, intermediated. So again, there could be commercial banks that are intermediaries between the public and the central bank. Underlying technology, DLT, distributed ledger technology, access token. So you can go through and find out all of these different things and terms and what they mean. But anyway, um, there's all sorts of information on here and let's reset the filters and go back. So, I mean, obviously people in the United States are going to be interested in the U.S. So if you click on the U.S. entry, it has information about um, Yellen and Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell have reaffirmed the United States interest in the digital dollar. Um, at the Deal Book Conference, I think it, the digital dollar, could result in faster, safer, and cheaper payments, which I think are important goals. Uh, we're looking carefully, very carefully, at the question of whether we should issue a digital dollar, blah, blah, blah. They talk about Project Hamilton, which is a uh, MIT slash Federal Reserve joint uh, co-investigation that's going on right now. Um, they talk about Biden and his executive orders. Um, they have sources for at least some of this information, White House, Federal Reserve System. I see on other entries, they cite um, coin, coin book whatever.com or whatever, the different sites and things and different news stories. But anyway, they give you ideas. Uh, status development use case, as in retail or wholesale, well, both. They're looking into both. Architecture intermediated. Again, if you need more information about that, uh, I think they do have a definition of some of these terms. Oh, yeah. they. So, for example, use case, retail or wholesale, underlying technology um, is generally DLT. Um, let's reset that and let's look at the... Uh, they have the architecture here, direct CBDC. The CBDC is a direct claim on the central bank, intermedi intermediated CBDC. This is a solution where the CBDC is a direct claim on the central bank, but payments and real-time transactions are facilitated by financial intermediaries, including commercial banks. Synthetic CBDC. The CBDC is not a direct claim on the central bank. Claims are a liability of private financial institutions that facilitate payments and real-time transactions. So not really CBDC at all. Anyway, as I say, there's tons of information here. And obviously, if you are in some one of these locales, you might want to find out, oh, I wonder what's going on in Japan. Oh, they're developing both retail and wholesale. Well, that's good to know. Anyway, and it gives you information. As I say, the Atlantic Council is not your friend. Take any information from them with a grain of salt. But at any rate, they do have sources for information where you can start reading more from direct sources um, that will give you more information on these things and where the information comes from. So it's a good, at least, resource for starting a journey of trying to understand what's already happening in your locale. Um, but then again, uh, the question becomes, well, what do we do about this? And I think it is important. One thing that we can see from this map is that unless you happen to live in certain parts of Africa or maybe um, certain parts of South America or uh, uh, you know, uh, Greenland, uh, this is affecting you already. Um, there is some degree of development or even implementation of CBDCs wherever you are, because unfortunately, some uh, hopium peddlers in the erstwhile so-called but not really alternative media will try to tell you that don't worry, guys, get your popcorn, enjoy the show, Q or she or Putin or some savior from the BRICS or something like that. They're, don't worry, they're fighting against this globalist agenda. Oh, wait, Russia is definitely, oh, they're piloting already a retail digital currency, i.e. the nightmare form of CBDC, the digital ruble, or uh, China also obviously is, in fact, China is often used as the reason why the United States and other countries, why we need to be developing digital currencies because the Chinese are getting ahead of us on this new 
space race. It's the CBDC race, and we can't let them get ahead, so we have to do what they're doing. I think we know the logic of that situation. Anyway, they're all on the same team. You're not going to get saviors from the BRICS countries. Uh, I hope it goes to war so that they can defeat the evil people in Washington, and then be, we can be ruled over by the benevolent Putin. Oh, wait! Um, for example, for people who don't know, Edward Slavsquat, doing excellent work as always, uh, just had an article up, This the digital ruble, a friendly CBDC you can trust, talking about the absolute nightmare that's facing the Russian people as this digital ruble is brought into existence, and the real, actual Russian patriots who are ringing the alarm about this, going, this is crazy, this is horrible, we shouldn't be doing this. But they, for some reason, there's a lot of Western journalists who, for some reason, think Putin and Xi are just going to save you from all of this, guys. Don't listen to the actual Russians who are telling you the nightmare they're living in. (laughs) That can't be real. Anyway, I just want to stress that because, unfortunately, that could be one of the false solutions that is proffered in this space. Don't worry, guys. Wait for someone on the clouds to come and save you from this. Uh, my message is quite the opposite. That, we, as I say, no one has the gun to your head right now. In fact, in most places in the world, there is no functioning retail CBDC currency yet. And they are not able to directly program uh, your carbon credits into your digital wallet at this point. But we know that that's where this can go. And... Let's just go out on a limb and say, if they can do it, they're probably going to try. So we need actual solutions to this. And the solutions are not necessarily pie in the sky, something that we can dream of that might take place 100 years in the future if we elect the right guy into office to pass the right legislation. No, there are things that already exist. And I want to stress that right now. I know you're going to be hearing a lot about that over the next few days, but let's put some stuff on the table of what it means that we can be taking this power, the monetary power, we get to decide how and where and who we are transacting with. Well, depending on the laws and regulations of your local, I mean, you wouldn't want to do anything outside of the taxable economy, would you guys? Um, But we, for the moment, do have a degree of choice and latitude. And we better be flexing that muscle right now. This is not something that I'm just saying here in 2023. I've been saying this for years and years and years. And in fact, two years ago, I presented at the Great Greater Reset Conference, not the Great Reset Conference, the Greater Reset Conference, on precisely this. I posted it on my website. It's called Solutions Survival Currency. So if you haven't seen that, please go and watch that. I think there's a lot of useful information out there as to things that we can be doing about this agenda. But I just want to play here just a few minutes from the intro to that presentation that I gave, in which I went over some of the general principles that I think are important to keep in mind when we are looking at solutions uh, in the monetary paradigm. As I say, that's the broad outline of what we're going to attempt to do today. And more specifically, I want to stress some general principles that I think are exceptionally important to keep in mind as we proceed with all of this. The first one is, do not put the cart before the horse. And in this case, the cart is the currency. The horse is community. And what I mean by this is that any system that you come up with, some elaborate scheme, some accounting measurement, and we use this and we transact this way with this kind of thing. All of those schemes are wonderful and amazing, and I'm so glad that you have such wonderful ideas. 
but without a community that is actually dedicated to bringing that scheme about, that is actually willing to participate in that scheme, you have nothing. You have ideas that aren't even worth the paper they're printed on. Uh, because you have to buy that paper that they're printed on in filthy dollars or whatever, not in this imaginary currency that you've imagined up out of whole cloths. So the horse is community. Put the horse before the cart, and the horse will dra drag the, the cart. So the currency idea is great, but it comes after the community. That's why, as Derek noted in my introduction here, I have stressed and promoted the idea of Freedom Cells, which... Uh, I hope everyone watching this knows freedomcells.org is the place where you can go and start a freedom cell. Of course, as I'd like to stress, it doesn't have to be freedomcells.org. You don't have to do it through that organization. That's an idea, a way of connecting with other people. But if you want to connect in other ways, please do. The point is to create community. And I like the idea of starting in small groups, groups of eight or something manageable, and then connecting to other groups. I think that's a much more stable structure um, and probably a better way to start the idea of talking about and then implementing transaction and exchange networks that will facilitate actual productive economic activity when and if we arrive at Mad Max apocalyptic scenario and or the government coming down and cracking down on dissent to the point of taking you off the, the payment grid. So that's the number one general principle I want to stress. Do not put the cart before the horse. Community is the horse. The second general principle, the perfect is the enemy of the good. We are not going to create the perfect system all in one whole fell swoop and it's, oh, here it is and this is it and this is, this is it for all time. Uh, and if that is the, the standard by which you are measuring what you are doing, then you are not going to get anywhere. You'll probably never even try because you will never me uh, measure up to that in the real world, certainly not at first. So do not uh, only hold the perfect as the standard by which we will measure everything against. Uh, another general principle to keep in mind, take advantage of existing systems. Do not reinvent the wheel here. We do not need to recreate and reimagine and start from scratch. Chances are there are already local community exchange networks that exist in your local area, whether that's a local exchange trading system and or some sort of community, community currency or community dollars, or whether it's a time banking system, whether you have some sort of agorist network in your area, that would be heavenly, wouldn't it? But <coughs> take what you have in your local area and work with it. Um, move it along. If you have a, a freedom cell that can infest a, uh, a an already existing community currency and maybe take it over <laughs> in some productive way that you can steer it more towards your ends. Hey, whatever you have to do, but don't necessarily start from scratch. That's going to be a lot harder than using something that already exists. If there is already an infrastructure in place where you live, that is probably the place you want to start trying to see how you can mold it and adapt it. And that's the next general principle. Adapt all the ideas that are presented to you and anything that you can think of, adapt them to you in your particular context with the people that you're working with, in the community that you're in, 
and for the, for the purposes that you want to facilitate exchange. Now, uh, again, if you're starting with a small group of people, that's going to be a different thing altogether than if you have some sort of mass idea for an online community of millions of people around the globe or something along those lines. There is, and there's many things in between and different types of exchanges are going to happen in different contexts. So whatever it is, you have to adapt the ideas that you have for the context that you're operating in. Another general principle, it is not all or nothing. This is particularly evident in the monetary reform space, uh, where there is a lot of dogma that either you are 100% dedicated to this particular idea in this particular way, only this is money and nothing else, or, uh, or I, don't, I don't even want to transact with people at all. It is not all or nothing, especially when we get into survival currency. Sure, again, when we're talking about the theoretical system of the future where we're going to create some sort of system that the entire world will agree on, it'll be so easy. Yeah, okay, we'll worry about that then, okay? Then we can have the all-or-nothing dogma, my, my way or the highway kind of uh, approach. When you are in a survival situation where you are literally scrambling to provide food for your family, chances are you're probably not going to be so dogmatic. So let's start from from that point of the survival currency. What can I do to facilitate exchange with people in my area who I know, who I want to exchange with, but we don't have access to these dollars, yens, pesos, whatever. So it is not all or nothing. Do not give into the dogma of that. And then the final general principle before we roll up our sleeves here, it is all hot air until you actually do something in the real world. It is just blather unless it is being done in the real world. And look, no one likes blather more than me. You know, good old James, he'll blather on for ages. But this is 2021. We do not have time for blather and for talking shops and for debating and going back and forth. I want to see real action in the real world. That is what we need right now, much more than yet more bloviating mouthpieces just flapping their gums. So in an attempt not to do that tonight, let's start. I want to dive directly into actual examples of existing things uh, that could serve as some form of survival currency for your community, however you define that and whatever that may be. And again, these are all examples that hopefully you can take ideas from, you can adapt, you can see if they exist in your area, you can build on, you can discard completely if you don't like them, etc. These are just ideas that I'm throwing out on the table. So let's go through some of them and uh, the more specific, the better. Dot, dot, dot. Don't leave us hanging there, James. Tell us, what are these wonderful things that already exist? Well, if you're interested in that, then good. We're thinking in the right direction, and you can go and check that out at corbettreport.com slash survival currency. But I wanted to restate those general principles here to sort of frame this conversation around CBDCs, because I think this is equally as relevant in 2023 as it was when I said it in 2021, or the times that I said it in the years before that, because these general principles do hold true. And a couple of them to stress, absolutely. Cart before the horse? No, you put the horse before the cart. You need community in order to 
bring about any sort of alternative monetary system, any sort of way of transacting outside of the system that exists. Again, any theoretical idea you have, wonderful, but it's only theory and it means nothing unless and until you have a community that is willing and active participants in that. And with a willing and active and conscious community of like-minded people who are working towards the same goals, it almost doesn't matter which particular thing you're going to implement. It's still um, obviously corruptible because human beings are corrupt and it's not never you're never going to have the perfect system. But if you do have a community of people who are broadly working towards your goals with you, then you can think of a lot of different ways to transact that will not lead into the CBDC nightmare. Also, baby steps are still steps. And so it doesn't matter if it doesn't, oh, it doesn't seem like a big deal. I, what, what does it matter? Uh, you know, this whole system is just going to flood over me. No, there are things that we can be doing. And can you imagine if people in 2021 had actually heeded that survival currency presentation and created communities that were actually implementing alternative monetary structures? But 2023, and I've heard precisely nothing from anyone at all out there about the creation of any sort of community, um, trying out any sort of alternative idea. I know they exist, but, uh, well, anyway, it seems like I'm screaming into the wind here because uh, I, I haven't heard literally zero feedback from anyone actually taking any concrete steps on this. Now, what are some of the concrete steps that you can be doing today, even baby steps, uh, go please check out my Solutions Watch series. I have talked about this in a number of times, a number of different contexts with a number of different people. For example, talking about Black Market Fridays with Ernest Hancock and with Mike Swadek, uh, talking about Cash Fridays, um, Catherine Austin Fitz of Solari.com, and I'm sure people in this audience have probably seen Solari.com recently featured an article by Carolyn Betts talking about how you can opt out of CBDCs. They recently had a conversation together. I'll throw those in the show notes. Um, obviously more information there about things that people can be doing. Uh, as simple as simply opting to use cash when you can and making a point of using cash or refusing your service to a, a business that, oh, sorry, we only take electronic payments. Well, it was nice not knowing you. Um, those types of things, again, while we have the, the advantage of not being under life and death penalty of using the electronic currency, let's start flexing our muscles because we will have zero effect unless we start doing that. And uh, again, there's many, many more things to say on this, but I'm running out of time for this presentation. So I just wanted to wrap up today with something that I wrote uh, in an editorial from 2021 on Banksters Celebrate Fiat's 50th by Introducing CBDC Nightmare. And at the end of that editorial, which again, I will link up at CBDC opt-out Sorry, opt out CBDZ. <laughs> anyway, the link is on the screen, right? So you can follow that link. Um, at there, I'll, I'll have the link to this editorial where I finished by saying, not even those who are spruiking the benefits of CBDCs can deny that they have the potential to place extraordinary power in the hands of unelected, unaccountable central bankers. And only the most willfully naive could deny that the central banksters would gladly take and abuse such power if given half a chance. The battle for the future of the monetary system is underway, and few have any idea that it's even happening. The root of the problem, of course, is that central bank-issued fiat money has become the backbone of the economy, not 50 years ago this month, as the propagandists would have you believe, but in a centuries-long process that has culminated in the advent of CBDCs. 
Luckily for us, the opportunities for stepping outside of this fiat paradigm are numerous and relatively easy to access. There are many survival currencies already available to those who are willing to explore them, and with the advent of Black Market Fridays and other ideas for transacting outside the purview of the banks, there are many more ways to, than ever before to connect with businesses and individuals who are willing to transact outside of the fiat system. The alternative economy is like a muscle, and as those who are increasingly facing health pass restrictions and vaccine mandates are beginning to find out, if we don't flex that muscle by finding ways of transacting with like-minded people in agorist markets, we will quickly find ourselves trapped in the banksters' cashless society nightmare. The choice is ours for now. Let's make it wisely. Anyway, that's what I have to say on this. I hope you got something out of this presentation. All of the show notes are going to be at corbettreport.com slash optoutcbdc. And, of course, there's plenty more information in the Corbett Report archives. Just type some of these search terms into my search bar. You will find lots of work I've done in this in the past. I'll be doing more in the future, so if you're interested, please do follow me at corbettreport.com. But that's going to do it for today. Thank you again to John Bush and the organizers of Live Free Academy for giving me this opportunity to speak to you. And take care. What's up, Corbett Report listeners? John Bush here. I'd like to invite you to join me for the Central Bank Digital Currency Opt-Out Challenge, cbdcoptout.com. It's a free five-day challenge where myself, along with James Corbett, Jack Spierko, Richard Grove, Derek Bros, Sal the Agorist, my wife Rebecca Bush, and others will teach you concrete, proactive steps you can take to preemptively opt out of the CBDC control grid. I've been an activist for truth, freedom, and peace for 20 years now. And in that time, I've done the politics, I've yelled at government buildings, and at the end of the day, it didn't create more freedom, and frankly, it was pretty frustrating. That's why I realized exit and build strategy is the way to change our lives and to change our world. Exit the systems we disagree with and build new ones. Exit the corrupt, centralized, and coercive, and build transparent, voluntary, and decentralized systems. And that's the approach we're going to take in this five-day free challenge, and that's the approach we're going to take to opt out of the CBDC system. We're going to teach you what the problem is and what the vulnerabilities are, where we can navigate around this system and maintain a good quality of life and some peace and freedom as well, and prosperity. We're going to teach you about Bitcoin, Monero, but also other alternative currencies. We're also going to teach you about the Freedom Cell Network, where you can join over 36,000 other freedom lovers that are working together to create real freedom in their lives. Finally, we'll tie it all together by teaching you how to onboard into the counter economy, how to build relationships, barter networks, how to trade goods and services outside of the system, outside of the scope and purview of the CBDCs that are being built all around us. And then we're going to tie it all together with a concrete action plan and help you to set up some goals. It's completely free. There's a community of people that have already signed up that are working together and solidifying their plans. I hope you'll join us for the CBDC opt-out challenge February 6th through the 10th. Go to cbdcoptout.com.